calling all ninjas. Calling all ninjas. It's time for Lime Ninja Radio. Hello, Lime Ninjas. This is Lime Ninja Radio, where we help you navigate confidently through your own personal lime journey. Everybody's journey is different, and a cookie-cutter approach just won't work for Lyme disease. You need ninja skills. I'm your host and show producer, Aurora Rippey, and this is episode number 124 with Lyme ninjas Nikki and Martina. Now, for our longtime listeners, McKay is on vacation in Thailand and will be back with us by the end of the month. In this episode, you will learn what situation Ireland is in in terms of Lyme disease awareness and treatment, and also the importance of creating a distinction between Borrelia burgdorferi and, in general, tick-borne illnesses when talking with your doctor. Also, uh, be sure to check out our website, LymeNinjaRadio.com, for more info and notes related to this episode. We are offering a short email course on genetic nutrition, and also be sure to check out our subscription button. And before I go any further, I just wanted to say thank you to Jonathan for subscribing to Lime Ninja Radio. You know, your support and the support of everybody else who is who has subscribed to Lime Ninja Radio really helps us out and really keeps us on the air and able to produce uh, great content for you guys. So we really appreciate it and thank you so much. And now on to a little bit more about Nikki and Martina. Nikki and Martina run the Irish support group TikTok, which is a small group of passionate volunteers wanting to provide accurate information about the prevention, diagnosis, and treatment of Lyme disease. And without further ado, here is McKay's interview with Nikki and Martina. Hello. Hey, I finally figured it out. (laughs) Technology. I never thought I'd be so happy to hear voices in my head. (laughs) (laughs) So please forgive me for being A, late, and then B, not up on my technology. So this was a, a bumpy start. Don't worry, you're forgiven. No problem. No problem. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So welcome to Lime Ninja Radio, and this is going to be a little bit interesting because there are three of us, and we don't really know each other well yet, so we'll just dance around this conversation, pretend we're in a pub having a pint, and just just chatting about what it's like to have Lyme disease in Ireland. And Nikki, we were chatting a little bit before you contracted Lyme outside mm. of Ireland, but Martina, you got I it did. in in Ireland. So let's yeah. let's start kind of where we are right now, and then we'll work our way back with with the stories of of how we got there. And what's what's the climate like in terms of not the the weather climate, but the the, the health climate like? How are your doctors treating people with Lyme disease? Does, is it recognized? Are you having the problems everybody else is having? What's it like in Ireland? Goodness, it's actually quite similar to the weather. So abysmal would be the phrase I'd use. And I'm well sure said. Martina can, can, yeah, can agree with that. Um, it's very strange. Again, I have a very different set of circumstances to Martina. So in a way, it's almost like two different stories. And I think any two Lyme patients, when they speak, Though there will be correlations with certain symptoms, it, it's a whole, it's a separate, a very separate thing for, for for different individuals. You know, it can be such a different experience for two different people. So in the same way, myself and Martina's experience is quite different. But I think when you talk about the climate towards Lyme in Ireland, um, definitely the experience would be the same. Little knowledge lack of understanding, lack of interest in wanting to understand something that is understood outside of the country. Um, you know, la- lack of awareness, lack of education around the issue. And I think that really 
that sort of sums it up. Like within that, there's huge frustration, there's disappointment on our behalf. I'm going to speak for for most Lyme patients when I say that. But at the same time, it's something that boils down to something so simple as education and the will to want to be educated about something. There's an arrogance I feel, um, and I'm not afraid to say this because I think too too much we dance around, uh, you know, with politeness and everything. But the the main issue I feel is that doctors can be quite arrogant they don't want to admit that they don't know something and so they never look further for the solution and especially with slime i've found that doctors don't want to know they don't want to be told that they don't know and they don't want to find out more information about something and it's very sad i'm very lucky at the moment i'm quite well um but i i would say for me and for a lot of people that has been the experience martina what do you have to add yeah, certainly I can concur and uh, agree wholeheartedly with what Nikki says. Um, I think for me, my, although yes, absolutely, the education from the doctor's point of view is abysmal. Um, I think my main area that I get frustrated with is the fact that the testing is so poor. Um, they don't even like you know they do an ELISA which as we all know is at best 35% accurate so that's missing a lot of people and unfortunately I was one of those people that was missed twice and um, even though I was a mountain biker and did a lot of hiking and different things like that so it was very open to being bitten and um, you know if only I had been told that there were more accurate tests that could be carried out when I had my my negative my false negatives and for me like I was lucky because I am in the medical field myself um with my career or the career I had and so when I was going to doctors again I was kind of lucky if you could call it that was that I looked so gravely ill and um and I was fortunate enough that my own GP was actually a friend of mine that I used to cycle against on the roads and race against and he knew I mentioned bikes and he knew how fit and healthy I was. And um, so when he seen me getting sick, he knew immediately there's something really wrong with this girl. I mean, he actually said, like, said to me, he thought, I, you know, I looked like I was dying. And I actually did. Um, but if he had only told me that the ELISA was only 35% accurate, I would have two and a half years ago fought to find a test almost immediately. So not only is the lack of, you know, the doctor's knowledge of it and I suppose it's the head in the sand kind of well it's not in our country kind of thing and they believe you know that there's very little cases over here that comes from Ireland and that it's brought from abroad and different things and they also don't believe in chronic Lyme so they do honestly think that a course of antibiotics or you know maybe three weeks or something should source it out um, and so it's it's really difficult as a patient to try and get some vindication and not to be told you have fibromyalgia or you have depression or you know whatever it is. I mean, I said I was kind of lucky because I look I looked so unwell and I always had um you know in your rand in your normal kind of standard bloods all my white cells everything was off so they all knew every door I knocked on for like a year a year and a half every doctor. I'm a specialist and consultant I knocked the door down from and exhausted all their own avenues they all told me there was something gravely wrong with me but nobody could tell me what it was and then I literally heard about the lab where I got my test done and in the space of six days I had a result it was soul destroying you know although it was it was such a melancholy moment because Obviously, I was devastated that I had all these, and I'm quite complicated. I have a lot of infections, I have a lot of co-infections, I have 11 co-infections in total, and then my, my Lyme. So I had a lot going on. And although I was joyous that I'd had that moment of, well, thank God, you know, it's not in your head. You, you know, you were right all along to believe in yourself and to go. You're, I knew my body so well from always my whole life exercising and being very healthy. Um, But I nearly gave up a few times as in the, I, I honestly was starting to believe that, it, you know, it was just like a post-fire fatigue or a, a fibromyalgia type of situation. But deep down, I just knew I was too healthy and too fit and too active to suddenly get a virus and to be left in the condi- condition that I was in. I mean, I went from literally cycling up mountains on my bike um, to I'm running my own um, physiotherapy clinic to literally being bedridden. 
that I couldn't even sit up or speak or anything. So it was totally devastating. So to think that one lot of blood could go to a lab in Germany and I could have an answer within six days was really devastating in a way, you know. There's a couple points that you bring up that I'd like to highlight. And, and one is this issue that you were lucky quote unquote, and that you looked ill and that you had markers that indicated you were quite ill. And you had a friendship with this physician who knew you as, you know, it sounds like you're really an an avid uh, amateur cyclist there, that you were really racing at high levels there. And not, I'll I'll toot your horn, even though I don't know you, just reading between the lines there. (laughs) One of the tips that I heard from uh, a, a woman who I interviewed a long time ago, she said, Make sure in your medical file there's a photo of you being active and outdoors or, or whatever in your former life before you had this chronic illness so that when they open the folder, they can see you because all they're used to seeing, oh, she must not be that healthy. But yeah. th- they don't have the context. We don't have the family physician anymore that knew you when you were 12 climbing trees. All they have is what's in front of you now. And if you present to somebody who's just low energy, they think, oh, you're just a low energy person. Yeah. And, wow. and that's the thing. It, it's true. It's a great idea. And I wish somebody had told me that um, a, a long time ago because certainly that would have, even if I had just brought one with me and said, look, this is what I was and, and this is me now, you know, because I was very lean I had a lot of muscle mass but I lost 10 kilos in like a week yeah crazy so huh? I was literally going around like skin and bone and sunken jaws and black to almost the bottom of my chin from the dark circles under my eyes and the pain etched in me and so why I say I was lucky in a way is because it wasn't invisible a doctor could look at me and instantaneously if you seen me across a car park or a parking lot you would immediately know there was something wrong with me so I was taken seriously from that point of view. So I don't feel that the doctors let me down from the care that they gave me in their own profession. The ones that I saw, my problem was that nobody thought of Lyme. And when they did, mm. they used an inaccurate test that missed mm. me. You know, and that's mm. why I, I feel I I was failed. It not not necessarily from the doctors, but from the the parameters of their testing. It's totally inadequate. And you know, if you if you put like with like in Ireland there was a TB epidemic many years ago and um, they used to use an ELISA until there was an epidemic in the country the country was literally under a blanket of TB and then they decided obviously the testing must be inaccurate and they began to use an ELI spot and now there hasn't been any TB in Ireland in I don't know how many years or very few cases all because they used a proper test and I just think we need to for me it's Rather than kind of, I suppose, putting doctors down, it's because, you know, you don't know everything. Give them the tools Certainly they need. Yeah. But please, yeah, but please use, like, at least have a, have a test that's accurate. And then maybe they might want to learn then because they know it's real. There's a company out in Arizona uh, called TGen, and I know there are a couple other groups as well who are working on a very accurate test. Uh, they use various uh, different uh, methods for, for getting the, the test. Some of it's RNA bits and some of it's other things. I, I, I don't recall what they are, but it's not the antibody test that we're using right now that has so many problems. And I was listening to a young researcher uh, speaking at a Lyme conference at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York City, and he he came from the AIDS world, so very similar to this tuberculosis. He said, you know, in, in the AIDS research, we've, we haven't used an ELISA test in, in 40 years. And o- only as a polite scientist can do, he says, we, to be frank with you, I was a little surprised when I came over to the Lyme world that you're still using the ELISA test. And if you, we got him down around this, this virtual uh, pub talk that we're having right now with the pint, he'd say, this is ridiculous. He'd be using curse words. He's saying, you guys are nuts to think that this is going to work in any way. The good news is there's some tests who are, they're just on the verge of coming out and they're going to be handheld devices. They're going to be in every doctor's office and they're going to diagnose Lyme plus all the co-infections. So we're about to turn the corner with the testing and it's going to be ubiquitous and we're going to find 
I'm sure you agree with this, so many people who are infected and have been going around with wrong diagnosis. They're going to be thousands upon thousands upon thousands. Well, I agree with amazing. that, and I think I think that we are on on the cusp of something. But I mean, it, it, well, how would I put this? I just I feel as though that it's it, not that it's too little, too late. I don't feel that at all. Because it's better that it happens, you know, at all. This is this is wonderful. But I I, I do feel that we have a, a huge job to do, certainly in this country, to con- to confirm that. As, as Martina has said, that the, the tests are not accurate. I don't think that there's enough. Um, there's just enough. There's not enough awareness here in Ireland um, around testing and around poor testing. We just don't have that. I was in a meeting with Anne. She's uh, one of the uh, people at the helm of Tick Talk Ireland, which is the support group for people with Lyme and tick-borne co-infections in Ireland. And uh, we met with a not not the minister for for health, but a junior minister for health. And um, we were in this meeting with members of the, the health service executive and um, we were talking about Lyme and about testing and about awareness, all of that. And, you know, this junior minister who, you know, was new to the conversation, wasn't affected by it directly, but did know about the dangers of ticks from when she was a child living on a farm. And she, you know, innocently and very beautifully said, as only, you know, an, a, a good person could say, you know, <laughs> um, oh, my goodness. Well, is there a is there a gold standard of testing? Why don't we just have that? Right. And that is such a wonderful attitude to have, and it gives me such hope. And I just think if we could have that across the board, because I think, you know, people are intrinsically good. Nobody wants to cause harm for another person. Nobody gets into medicine to to you know withhold treatment from anybody or testing from somebody. It's just it's about poor knowledge and poor education. And um, and I think, you know, that does give me hope. When you say that to me about, you know, you know, talking to me at a conference and, you know, it gives me great hope. But again, I feel we are such a long way off from that here in Ireland. So I don't know what's going to happen to bring us to that point. I pray that it will be quick, something unusual, some, some unknown variable will come into play and, and it will change things. But right now I feel it's so slow. It is slow, and it's frustrating slow, and it doesn't help people right now. I agree with you 100%. What, here, here's what's going to happen, and it'll, it'll be my bet is three to five years out. Th- there'll be a sea change, and it will happen so rapidly that the establishment will say, well, we've been treating this all along. We've known about Lyme all along, and it'll just seem like it's, it's normal, and we'll, we'll forget how much we were in the wilderness. But – in, until then, I, I like to tell people who I speak with, Lyme disease is diagnosed, and this is here in the States too, where you, everybody thinks, oh, in the States, everything's so far advanced in terms of awareness and so forth. It is not. In my little county in New York here, one of my favorite stats to point out is the vets, the veterinarians diagnose Lyme disease, dozens of cases, especially during the summer in mm-hmm. their clinics every week. Mm-hmm. So- you you look at the labs that run these and they'll say, okay, they have an interactive map in Oneida County, which I live, there were 50 some thousand cases of Lyme disease and the public health for humans say there were 41. Now we're not dogs. We're not going galloping through the woods, but we live with them. And there's some, Mm -hmm. you can't tell me that there's that much of a difference between diagnosed cases. We're missing, Mm -hmm. we're missing thunder thousands of cases but the medical our medical community is just as stuck in mud and arrogance maybe arrogance you know maybe be a little bit more kind maybe ignorance maybe you know they're getting their they get their information from a different source right they get it from the official channels and the official channel says don't worry about it it's your uh, hysterical patients who are the problem not you so you're fine just tell your hysterical patients to go away so what has to happen? Well, I don't is... know if that's not if that's an arrogance. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> well, but, that's but mm-hmm. well, but from a, you, anyway, you have you have if you walk a mile in their shoes, you'll understand a little bit that every upset person who came in the clinic doesn't anyway. Just let's well, let's, I get that. let's I give them get let's, that. yeah I let's give them benefit of that. Up. So let me finish before and then I'll turn it back over to you. I don't want to I don't want to hog all the time here, but so. <laughs> Lyme disease must be diagnosed over the backyard fence because it's not going to happen in the clinic. And you're both 
evidence of that. It's it's done. It's like your faith well, of to keep, Martina to keep on going and get one more test. It's like your neighbor saying, you know what? It yeah. sounds like Lyme disease. Get get tested. Not here because we know this test doesn't work. Get tested in a lab, Igenix in California and here in the States or the lab that you went to in Germany. It's That's how this is going to break through. And one by one, the doctors who are affected, they'll come over to our side of the fence. But it's that's a slow march. That's a very slow march. I mean, like for me, you know, it's amazing actually because since I've became diagnosed, I got my proper diagnosis um, actually almost a year ago, uh, the year the end of February. And um, I'm sorry, I need to apologize. My voice is quite croaky today, so my apologies. Um, but for me, it's ironic because I didn't really, you know, I said I knew lines kind of remotely through my my job and whatnot. Um, and I just to touch on the point that you said about, you know, oh, like these doctors, you know, I definitely think there's an ego problem there that, you know, it's a, well, just, you know, I don't, if I don't know about it, then it mustn't be real kind of thing. And, mm-hmm. and that's really sad to me because I was a physical therapist, a physiotherapist. So I would have patients come in to me that had maybe been with, you know, 10 or 15 other practitioners. And I would always, before I could spend, you know, maybe half an hour, before I'd even put my hand on them, I would spend a half an hour scanning their body as they stood in front of me, you know, in light clothing, maybe just uh, some underwear or vest or something. Um, because the body doesn't lie. Yes. And that's just looking from a muscular point of view. I'm looking at somebody. If somebody came to me, I had to think outside the box. When I had somebody knock on my clinic door and say, I need your help. I've been with this, 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 and this person, and nobody can get rid of my pain. Can you help me? I would have to think, well, what was the obvious that they would have done first? And I had to go to the under end of the scale and try and figure out how I was going to backtrack to find something different. And hand on heart, and I'm not saying I was amazing or any of those things, I just had such an interest and a love in the body and my patients, and I just wanted to help them. And there was only five people in my entire career that I actually had to send on that needed surgery that I just physically couldn't help. But I was able to stand up and say, well, listen, you know, I think you need to go and get a scan. We need to get this checked out or whatever because you're not responding as quick as I want. And this person would say, oh, no, well, I'm happy. My pain is definitely down and I'm doing a lot better. And I'm going, well, yeah, but you're not where I think you should be for the amount of treatment I'm doing. And so I think if we could only get doctors to think a little bit outside the box that you just, we're all human, including them. And some things you have to just be on the field for. And as you say, walk in my shoes. And I'm always, it's something, a quote I use all the time. If you want to know what it feels like to be us, you need to walk in our ill-fitting shoes. By oh. God, are they ill-fitting with Lyme because they cut the feet off you. And unless you are in that position, and I would have prided myself that I knew and I understand the body, the cells, the mechanisms, how the organisms work. I never would have thought that something could attack a body like this mm-hmm. and to end up the way I was from someone who was so healthy. And that's what shocked anybody that knows me, any of my patients, family, friends that knew me before I got sick, all say, well, my God, if, it, if you can end up like that, what would, there's no hope for the rest of us because I was so fit and strong and healthy. So I think if we could just, my fear is that, yeah, isn't it amazing that, that you, you know, your colleague was telling you about all this new kind of technology coming through. Unfortunately, Ireland is about 20 years behind America when it comes to medicine. And that's, you know, yeah, it's amazing and it's fantastic, but getting it out awareness, and that's the only reason why I'm speaking to you today. Um, a year ago when I got my diagnosis, I ended up, because I was um, diagnosed through a German lab, I found a, a consultant in Germany that was able to help me and I went to hospital for six weeks over there on my own. And there was a couple of media kind of avenues here in in Ireland, radio and, uh, um, uh, sorry, I'm losing my chair to talk about radio and newspapers and things like that, and got on board and they were interested in a story. And there's hardly a week goes by that I don't have at least one or two people, complete strangers from all Mm. Ireland, contacting me looking for information telling me their story it is heartbreaking and that's just patients in ireland it's patients helping patients through tiktok ireland but even through reading newspaper articles the, the couple of radio stations that covered my story and were interested in it 
the amount of people that have contacted me just looking for help. And although I'm sick and I don't, you know, like everybody, we all have our, our problems. You know, my husband even said to me, you know, you're, you know, you need to just look after yourself. And I was like, no, if I had only heard somebody or read something that would have put a red flag up, that I could have got some information sooner. So that's why I think myself, Nikki, anybody else that has anything to do with understanding Lyme, no matter what level it is, if we can help each other, I think we might just get there that little bit quicker. And it is a patient kind of support network that we're, we're very fortunate to have. I, Nikki knows I call all of my, my friends that I've made um, my silver lining friends because I'm, I'm a positive person and I like to think that every cloud has a silver lining no matter how bad it is. And I can honestly say I've met some of the most amazing people on this journey of Lyme that I'm on. And they're my silver lining you know and so I think if we can all help each other and like what you're doing putting out awareness it can only help well that's so beautifully said and part of my I I do have a not so secret agenda in speaking with both of you and like last week uh, I had almost 5,000 people 4,991 people all over the world listen to this podcast about Lyme disease and in Ireland Oh, I just lost it there. There were eight. <laughs> wow. Be more. Oh, my goodness. So I think there, there will be more from, from this We point, have yeah. to get it out there. Ex- exactly. <laughs> and really, it's Lime Ninja Radio is a wonderful resource. At this point, there's more than 120 interviews with experts, with uh, people with Lyme disease like you, with authors. Uh, it's just – it's a wonderful – resource and and one of the things that I get emails from time to time that comes up again and again and this is what you're doing so beautifully with TikTok is you tend to feel isolated with Lyme disease first of all the medical community isn't on board especially if you got chronic Lyme there's well that doesn't exist you're just crazy and there's some comfort especially if you're bed bound and hearing other people's stories saying I'm not crazy I'm really not crazy. 100%, I really am yeah. sick. Mm. Right? You know, people 100%. Want it. Yeah. And it, you know, mm. I found, like, I have an amazing family, and I'm very fortunate and blessed to have that, and with friends as well. But some people have just dissolved. And, you know, the friendships that you keep up, sometimes when you're, when you're bedridden and you're really unwell, the only people that you have contact with with sometimes are your people that you meet online that are understanding. Because honestly, it's so hard for somebody, like I always say to my family, I wish you could just, you know, for five seconds just feel what it feels like. Because it's just, sometimes you just haven't got the words to try and describe it. It just, nothing seems to kind of do justice to how you can feel. That's so true. And Nikki, I know you're dying to say something here. So why don't you jump in? I was <laughs> no, actually, to be honest with you, I have to say this that um, Martina is actually a really, um, I wouldn't say great reflection. She, I just think she's a great re- representative of all of us here because she has been so hugely affected, more than so many people, and you know, I, I think that she's so so articulate and so because she was a, a health practitioner herself that she is. Um, She's just in, she's in such a, a much better position to speak for all of us than probably anybody, because you know she's she's so open and so willing to tell everybody how much it has affected her. Because I think we tend to, I I hid for a long time how I how how bad it was, but it takes great courage and bravery to say you know what actually, I'm not okay, and this is how bad it is, and I need to speak up because if I do this, other people will hear it, and they will get, they will have the bravery to speak out as well. And I, I couldn't do that for a really, really long time. I thought as a sign of weakness that I wasn't well. I worked in an industry where if you weren't well, nobody really wanted, you weren't, you weren't a safe bet. You know, I work in media, so, you know, being well, you know, that's everything. If you're not, if you're not well, you're no use to anybody. And finding people through TikTok and through the UK Lyme support group as well, um, you get to talk to people like Martina 
But I would say nobody is like Martina because she's really quite <laughs> an incredible human being. No, I'm serious about this. And I've talked to a lot of people and I've interviewed a lot of people who have gone through this experience as well. And because her situation is so um, unusual as well in that, you know, she was well versed in the terms that people were talking to her. You know, it's not just a lot of gobbledygook and things are going over your head. She knew what people were talking about. She knew to keep looking. Um, and she she was a devoted uh, carer for, for her clients. So, you know, for her to keep looking for a better solution. Um, but I think there's a whole, there's a, there's a change in the narrative in society, which, you know, you know, once upon a time, um, you know, you didn't have to be perfect. You didn't, you didn't have to be perfect on the outside. And nowadays you really do. So for young people, I spend so much time talking to young people. They call me up. I, I haven't, um, you know, through the through the um, the conference last year in Ireland that TikTok ran, um, I, I connected with a lot of people. And since then, as with Martina, you know, from w- what she's been involved with, people call you. They want to talk to you, and they want to. They're looking for hope or some even just to connect, so that they're not going crazy. You're not alone. You know, your misdiagnosis is just that—a misdiagnosis. You don't have fibromyalgia. You don't have ME. You don't have maybe MS, it could be anything, you know, all of these things, you know, depression, whatever it is, just to be able to talk to somebody else. Um, it's a hugely empowering thing. And to talk, there are times where talking to other sick people is not the right thing to do because <laughs> you're using, yes. you know, you, know, you yes, need positive energy. Yep, we we yep. all know that. But there are times where you are at the depth of despair. You, you can't work. You cannot interact with your family on any emotional level because you just haven't got any energy for anybody, even yourself. You know, that's the, it's the fatigue thing. I mean, I, I've said this so many times before, but fatigue to the point where if the house was on fire, you could not get yourself up out of bed to get out of the house to save yourself. You just can't do anything. So on the days where you've just come out of that and you can, you know, type on the keyboard and you can talk to somebody else who's been through this or is going through it and they can encourage you, and kind of say, look, potentially there is light at the end of the tunnel here. Have you tried this? Have you talked to this specialist? And this is what with TikTok happens. They, they recommend consultants for you. They recommend doctors. They tell you that the test is inaccurate. You know, you get, you get information about these things. And, and that's what's hugely important. Um, but it is an absolute battle and it, it destroys so much of you. you. As you say, Martina, you dissolve. I, you know, disappearing, you dissolve. Yeah. And whatever is left, I mean... It is a testament to the friendships if people will stay with you when you are like this because you have nothing to give to anyone, <laughs> you know? You don't even have anything for yourself. I mean, my situation is very different from Martina. I, I was bitten outside of Ireland. I was, but, but you know something? When I got bitten, I was immediately tested and treated and I was given, you know, the 10 days off the cycling, but it wasn't enough. So I ended up with persistent Lyme and didn't know all of these terrible symptoms I had were attributed to Lyme. So it's very different to Martina. I did get some treatment. But it was on my medical records. And when I came home, it was on my medical record, always, always. And I was having these awful symptoms and nobody ever thought to join the dots. You know, I know so many people now who went to America for the summer, worked on summer camps, just as I did as a student, and they have gotten infected with Lyme. You don't know anything about Lyme before you get it. You don't know anything about Lyme when you have it. And you don't know anything about Lyme after you think you've been treated for it and you're told it's gone. So if we even could do that and educate young people traveling abroad, I mean, that would be something. Um, And the fact that, you know, doctors should be looking out. It was on the medical record. You know, look out. I don't don't see um, them as at fault. They just don't know. And, And I'm not, you know, I didn't know. So, you know, it's just one of those things. We don't talk about it enough. It is coming more and more into mainstream conversation. We will get there eventually. It's just very, very slow. Um, but I just, if I could do one thing, I wish people would know just how soul destroying it is and life destroying it is when it's untreated. And the amount of people who are misdiagnosed with all these other terrible things, like, as we've mentioned, you know, fibromyalgia, MS, ME, you know, the, some um, early onset. Alzheimer's. Are being linked to this. Yeah. So if we, if we could raise awareness to the level where people would be vigilant and just look out for things and go, well, look, I've been diagnosed with this. Would it be worth testing myself to see is it this possibly? Yes, it is worth it. Try it. You know, I mean, if, if it's wrong, it's wrong. But if it's if you have a chance, look at the story of Chris Christopherson, one of the biggest stars in the world, diagnosed with wrongly diagnosed with Alzheimer's, being treated for years for Alzheimer's and not getting better. 
and then suddenly he's tested for Lyme, he tests positive, and he starts to recover. Come on, it's incredible. And that story, we've heard that so many times with people who are not famous, you know? Yes. So I, I just, I think we're, you know, I, I've, I've, you have to excuse me, because this weekend I've spoken to so many people who are in a point with their, with, um, their, their infections, their co-infections with Lyme. I've talked to eight people in the past six days who, who were really sick. Either they were, their children are really ill with Lyme. And um, I know it's what, you know, TikTok filter on a daily basis. They talk to people and they're able to do this. You know, I'm just a regular person, another Lyme disease sufferer. I, I just, I'm overwhelmed. You know, I'm absolutely overwhelmed. I'm overwhelmed by what I went through, what my family had to look at me go through. And I'm overwhelmed by the amount of people who are sick at the moment and they're not getting any help. And you know what's overwhelming as well? The amount of people who will be infected again this year because we didn't tell them, we couldn't tell them as a nation that they should take care. Well said. We're going to put you out front and carry the flag. <laughs> <laughs> I'll carry the flag. You Leave know the parade. It's just, yes. It's, it's, it's really, there's too many little children who are, oh, who are it's going to awful. be infected yeah, it's this heartbreaking. coming year. And we know about this now. And we, yep. what are we going to do? How can we stop this? Right. Well, One I of the... always say you have to be your own advocate um, and, and, and really, you know, trust your own self. There comes a time that, you know, we in Ireland, when I was growing up, it was um, you respected the priest, the principal, the guard, the policeman, whatever. They were people of authority, the doctor. If they said, jump, you asked how high. And I think in this society we're in now there's a slight little shift and certainly I know for me only for I was so sure that they were missing something now it took me 23 and a half thousand euros to get a diagnosis and a year and a half of suffering but you know at least it you know I trusted my own instincts and I would say to anybody yes if you have a doctor no matter how much you respect them, no matter how knowledgeable they are, if they are not listening fully to you, if they're only hearing you but they're not listening, then you need to just keep knocking on doors and don't be afraid to just keep going because never give up hope. That's the only thing I can say to anybody is always trust your own gut. If you know there's something that they're missing, that just don't give up, just keep going. That's, again, so so beautifully said. One of the things I'd like to offer as as well is this is a, a kitchen diagnosis, so it doesn't give you real diagnosis. But if you're suffering from undiagnosed or mystery illnesses or even some illness that has been given a label and you're, you're not still doing super, if for some reason you go on a course of antibiotics and feel better, then you should immediately be suspicious that you have some undiagnosed chronic infection and that's just one of those little tells that you'll hear somebody said oh well as a matter of fact i'll ask this in my office frequently because as an acupuncturist here in the states i'm not allowed to do testing but i'll ask him by any chance in the past year have you been on antibiotics oh, well as a matter of fact i had a sinus infection and well how did you feel well i felt great when i was on antibiotics yeah, isn't that interesting yeah, but I think it is well, interesting. It depends on what but, you've got going on. Yeah, yeah. Abs you know, absolutely. Uh, yeah. I, yeah, I, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm I not saying myself, that's like in definitive. Ireland. I was given a clinical, like I was given a clinical diagnosis, even though I'd had two false um, negatives, um, and I had a, an infectious disease doctor that clinically was convinced that I had Lyme mm -hmm. because he could only use this crappy test. He was going to treat me anyway. Good. And um, he had me on three antibiotics, and I was on them for almost seven months, yeah. and I didn't feel any better. I know, I and know. That, it, was, it, was at, it was at that point that I kind of thought, okay, I'd heard kind of over, say, the previous couple months of that treatment that um, I'd heard about uh, Armin Labs in Germany, which is where I got my testing done. And I decided mm. after seven months of feeling really rotten and not seeing any improvement, sheer panic that oh my god because i'd had every cancer ms me you name it i was tested for aids everything and i kept thinking well if this is the treatment for lyme and i'm not <laughs> getting better what 
what else is out there? There's something being, yeah, there's something else. Now it transpired. I have six bacterial infections, one being being Borrelia, but I also have six viral infections that were extremely aggressive, and so they, I needed the antiviral treatment, and hence why I had to go to Germany. I couldn't get that here. My ID wouldn't give it to me here. And that's my um, question. That's my question. It wasn't necessary. Right. That's my question for you is what treatment is available there in Ireland? So let's say somebody is able to get a diagnosis, like you even a clinical diagnosis or an actual positive mm-hmm. test. What what options do they have? Do they need to leave the country to get treated? Legally no, is the question. The <laughs> answer of your question. What options do they have legally? <laughs> well, don't get yourself in trouble. <laughs> I mean, I wouldn't mind getting myself in trouble if I get myself well, you know. (laughs) (laughs) There is one, really, to my knowledge, and I'm I'm certainly no expert, and I would never pretend to be anything, as Nikki said, uh, you know, we are just regular people like everybody else, and we just have stumbled upon, thankfully, a diagnosis. Um, But, like, there there is one doctor that is only recently started he's infectious diseases but he's only recently kind of stumbled upon the Lyme epidemic that has actually hit Ireland and I truly believe it is an epidemic in Ireland and it's just they're missing a lot of people that are being given labels of fibromyalgia etc um, and he's trying he really is trying and he's the only hope we have in this country he doesn't literally yeah, he really, like, he doesn't treat viruses. Uh, well, he certainly, at the time, I'm talking now a year ago, um, when I was last home, I was with him for seven months, and then a year ago, I got my diagnosis through Germany. And at the time, when I gave him my results from Germany, he didn't recognize them because it was from outside the country. He now does. He has actually met um, this particular consultant, this ID, um, at the Lyme conference last year, met the guy that owns the lab from Germany. And he obviously explained the whole how the lab works and that it's recognized and all these things. And now he actually does recommend and, and recognize the testing, which is phenomenal. Um, but he's just on the beginning of his learning experience. Yes, and he is yes. actively out going to conferences and fair play to him. He's given up his weekends, going to different conferences, wherever, mm. um, which is fantastic for the people that are coming, that are just getting diagnosed and different things like that. For me, it was frustrating because I thought, great, I was already a patient of his seven months, eight months, and I thought this is amazing when I got my actual diagnosis through Germany. I, I actually thought I won the lot. I was like, amazing, this guy can help me. And he, he didn't want to know about my viruses, which was upsetting for me, and that's why I ended up taking the route that I went on and going to Germany. Um, but sometimes the antibiotics on their own, if you've got lots of co-infections, might not be making you feel better until the other stuff is being addressed as well so i can see where you're coming from and certainly i myself as nikki does know like i know people personally who yes taken a course of antibiotics and feel amazing and yes it's a fantastic signal but if you feel crap when you're still when you're on them don't think oh well you know i didn't feel any better so it mustn't be lying fair point keep exhausting you know so i just wanted to kind of flag that just a little bit because um you know as i said it's, yes, the I, can be a bit of a, right. I did not mean that as a definitive statement. And thank you for uh, no, stepping in what, you know, and correcting you know yourself. <laughs> right. Because my practice is filled with people who've had uh, sometimes years of antibiotics and are still not 100 percent. So for sure, antibiotics and especially what you bring up is such a great point because Lyme disease is breaking the, the medical paradigm wide open because doctors are treated. Your disease has one cause and there's one treatment to treat the disease. And, mm-hmm. you know, th- that's that's a little oversimplification, but that's really what it is. So if you have Lyme disease, part of the problem that we have here in the States is you say Lyme disease and they mean Borreliosis. And they yeah. mean Borrelia burgdorferiosis, the you know one particular. Yeah, we're making we're actually making a, a real point about that here in Ireland, and certainly that doctor that that um, Martina referenced, he, he you know he's he's making a huge effort to make the distinction between Lyme and tick-borne co-infections. Yes, and when um, he actually addressed um, you know the audience at the at the conference last year in Ireland, um, he he started with that very point, and he kept referencing it. You know, you may have you know, many co-infections, you may have, you know, many viruses, you know, but they may not even be Lyme at all, but you, you would have these tick-borne co-infections. It's so important to say that because, you know, 
it's very difficult. I'm sure like your listeners will, will be aware on Twitter and other social media, the, the attacks that we get, you know, for as, a, as patients, it's very, very strange. And I, I don't know if I've ever noticed it with any other illness or any other condition. It's very, very strange. Um, you know, this, this desire to want to uh, discredit uh, patients, to discredit doctors, it's, it's bizarre. I mean, if people are genuinely sick, I mean, Martina just described beautifully there how she would, you know, go through a consultation with somebody and she would take them seriously and listen to them and, and try to get them well. And, you know, if a doctor is taking time enough to go through a process similar to that and try and find a diagnosis for you or try to find, you know, the cause of your symptoms, uh, whatever it is, and then you have your diagnosis and, and even if you don't get the right treatment, you have a diagnosis or you have a doctor trying and they're just doing what they're supposed to do. You know, first do no harm, <laughs> of course, <laughs> and then try to help you. Um, and then you are you are attacked either as a as a patient or you're you're told that your doctor doesn't know what he's talking about or he's trying to sell something. He or she, sorry, she may be selling you something either. Um, and it's very strange to watch that unfold. I mean, I nothing's really ever been directed at me, but when you do try to speak out, people really go on the attack with you and uh, try to discredit you. It's just very strange. I think our understanding, as you have just, you know, the, the idea between Lyme and tick-borne co-infections, if we could sort of you know, really try and get people on board with this and help them to realize that when we say Lyme, we don't mean all these co-infections. They're two very separate things, many separate things, actually. Um, but it's just it's just having the conversation and having a willing audience. I mean, I started doing this thing last year when I started to feel a little bit better around sort of mid-summer, end of summer. And um, I started contacting, you know, medical experts who were, I wouldn't say trolling, but they were, they were responsible for a lot of the negative stuff that was on social media, discrediting really good doctors who have helped a lot of people. And I know in a lot of instances, they haven't taken money when people couldn't afford treatment. So people who are doing stuff like that, I think they should be supported rather than torn down. Because I mean, who the hell does that? But um, And I contacted these people and I said, well, look, okay, you're on social media. I'm a, I'm a Lyme patient. This is my experience. You know, can I talk to you for a minute? Like, if what you're saying is correct, can we have a conversation about that? Because I don't want to be fooled with some kind of treatment that is nonsense, you know, or talk to some consultant that's a waste of time and money. And it was so funny when you talk to them because they completely backed down. Right. And when you reference, you know, I, I got a lot of material from um, Anne Marr at TikTok Ireland. And I have all these different texts to reference. And I have, you know, from different conferences, I have speeches that people address their crowd with, you know, and I'm able to reference, you know, where they're getting their information from. And suddenly they're like, oh, well, oh, well I didn't know that. Okay, so we'll go on social media now and say that, <laughs> but they never do. It. Of course not. <laughs> you know, so, but that's the kind of thing that people are watching, and it's getting into the kind of you know psyche of of you know the general public. So you you want positive messages going out, and yeah, you know what? It is hugely frustrating. It's 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 really difficult not to say doctors are arrogant. You know, it is sometimes. But I get it. Like you say, they're just, you know they're people too, and you got to walk in their shoes and everything. But it's... the thing is, uh, the thing is that getting the message out in a sort of a, a very balanced and measured way um you know and not saying well it's a conspiracy theory or something that right. we're being infected you know yeah nonsense it's just a real thing it's always been there but it is at an epidemic proportion it, re it really look at look at the amount of people who are suffering with all of these co-infections that that is i mean it's there to be seen so we really do need to take it seriously but you know we have a lot to do with um changing the way we we interact with each other, which is another conversation. You know, you look at the election, you know, last year especially, and the way the way people talk to each other, the way they accept information. It, it, it you know, it trickles out into every other aspect of life, including the discussion online. There's a, there's very, there's a sort of, there's goodies and baddies, and everybody thinks they're the goodies. So there's a lot of mudslinging, and I don't know, it's a strange kind of thing that we have going here, but it makes conversations like this very difficult. Um, especially around something as important as this, you know, we, we, the sort of other things take over and, and social media hasn't really done people like us any favours, you know. And, and one thing just to add to that, actually, um, there was a, a documentary on Irish TV um, called Living with Lyme and a friend of mine who, before I got ill, knew nothing about Lyme and obviously from watching her, her close friends, and seeing the devastation that it was ensuing on our family, um, had done a lot of research and was trying to kind of read up on Lyme disease and different things and whatnot. But after she watched the documentary, she actually called to my house and she was really upset. And I was like, are you okay? Like, what's wrong? And she's like, oh my God, I 
thought I knew a lot and, and I thought I'd seen the worst and, and, you know, I've seen the worst that Lyme has to throw with you. But she found that what touched her the most from that documentary was the devastation in the fact that she said, you're, you're just lost. The doctors just don't know. And she said, you, it's like, you know, she said, if you had cancer, you'd have doctors standing around the bed wanting to fix you and searching for the next treatment to help you and you are the equivalent of dying but you've got Lyme and because they don't know enough they're pretending it's not real and you have to achieve seeing me obviously the state that I've been in it's just like you've been as close to death as you can be at times and yet there's no doctor standing around your bed and that was what she took away from that as someone that hadn't got Lyme, hadn't got anybody, you know, obviously in her immediate family. But she just felt so saddened for Lyme sufferers, Mm. the warriors that we are. She just was so touched Mm. at the lack of understanding and empathy or wanting to learn about something that, you know, that's never been an issue in our country up until very recently or certainly not to this proportion, you know. So I think if we can all just, you know, help put, put the word out there, get articles out there, speak about it, not drive it down people's throats. Because people say to me, oh, my God, I'd say if you ever got better now, you'd never be back up a mountain. I'm going, are you kidding? This would be the first thing I'll do is bloody get up a mountain. Are you crazy? And they're going, really, after you've been bitten? I'm like, yes, you can't stop living your life. Not every tick is infected, not every mosquito that bites, whatever. But just prevention is better than cure. So why wait until you've got something? You know, if we can push better testing, getting up the signs around our parks and our mountains. And I mean, Ireland is the most beautiful place on earth, especially if you get a bit of sunshine. Um, and why not get out and enjoy it? Just do it safely and be aware. And for me, prevention is better than cure. And if we can help one person and ring, you know, ring an alarm bell with one person from this conversation, then it was well worth it, you know. I like to say here in the States that Lyme disease is at the intersection of a lot of very unfortunate events. And there's a saying here in the United States that you don't want to see legislation being made and you don't want to see sausage being made because you wouldn't, <laughs> you wouldn't like that. And I'd like to add to that, you, you don't want to see medicine being made. Unfortunately, we're on the the leading the, beyond the leading edge of where medicine is trying to figure things out and it's messy and it's and it is ego i will go back and now completely agree it's it's human nature if if you go back and read medical histories like on how tuberculosis was finally treated and and what the doctors who discovered that it was a bacteria went through it's it's the same story it's the same story mm-hmm. max planck the physicist and so this is physics and not even medicine he said progress in science is made one funeral at a time and what he means is that the, that the arrogant mm-hmm. people holding on and defending their view of the world have to you don't change their mind they just retire or in some cases expire mm-hmm. and so and there's the sad truth it's the sad truth so the people who don't have a dog in the fight your neighbors you well, we've got a dog in the fight because we're we're on the side of it. But it's much easier to talk to people who don't have a dog in the fight and to convince them and get the awareness up there. And and that's so what you're doing is is absolutely beautiful and getting the message out there to the public. And eventually, the medical community will sort it along and they'll come along. And you know there'll be individual bright spots like this physician you're talking about, this infectious disease expert. There'll be bright spots. And they'll as as soon as one starts, then another will pop up, and another will pop up, and eventually the the light will will start shining. The sun will come out in Ireland. <laughs> and I do believe that one hundred percent. I really do. Um, and I think, I mean, in, in some ways, you know, it already has a little bit, but we're just very slow. I think even us being able to have this conversation, the fact that I was able to connect with these people. You know, Martina especially and, and Anne especially. I mean, mm-hmm. Anne Marr, I already just, you know, mentioned her, but she really changed my whole family's life because once we got to talk to her and she gave us information, mm-hmm. my God, you know, the clouds parted. 
and uh, and everything's been different and better. And even when it was hard, at least we knew what was going on. So why don't you tell everybody in Ireland how to get hold of this TikTok Ireland, how to get the information, how to begin to connect? Yeah, well, on Facebook, there's a, there's a Facebook page, which is TikTok Ireland. And um, also they have a website. So if you just Google TikTok, you will be directed to both to both sites. They're also on, on Twitter, but I, the best link is to go through the either the Facebook page or the or the, the website and um, you can you can um, send a, send a, an inf- you know an individual email and it will be picked up usually Anne is the one who reads them and she does she goes through everything she contacts everybody directly um, I know she will uh, struggle any praise but you know obviously there are a lot of people involved but she she does the bulk of the work just at the moment Saint and, Anne, uh, she huh? organized a conference Saint, Saint Anne absolutely <laughs> she organized a conference last year and she's organized the conference this year as well which is happening um in in March so um you know we have a phrase here it's a turn about of it you know somebody's some man for one man well she's some woman for one woman that's for sure okay Absolutely. And just like to say that uh, just for people that if they did want to have a look on TikTok, it's a private group. So oh, yeah, anything, yeah. any posts that you put up, your friends, your family can't see it unless they're also in the group, which gives you that safe place if you need to vent or if it's something very private. You know, obviously we all have had, we can have certain symptoms that are, you know, you don't be, you know, too much information for most people. Yes. But, you know, everybody that's on it, either has an immediate you know, loved one or a family member that they're trying to get information to help or it suffers themselves. Um, and, you know, definitely I can completely and wholeheartedly say, like Nikki, that Anne and Mary and Nicola and the, the people that are helping out on TikTok and everybody that's on it, it's so friendly. It's not a negative group. It's Obviously, there can be posts that are sad and, you know, people are struggling. But predominantly, people try to keep spirits up and give each other hope and help each other. And that's what it is. It's patience helping patients. And I think that the more we can help each other and with certainly, as, you know, Nikki has said, with the likes of Anne and also Mary Smith and Nicola Ryan and those that are kind of at the top of tier helping us first and foremost, they're giving information that's filtering down and they're also learning from some of us because as we're starting to go through different experiences and different treatments or you know different you know going to different countries or doctors they're also coming away and going wow that's really interesting love that idea or you know so not like mm-hmm. what our like what our doctor should be none of us will ever stop learning and i think if you stop learning in life none of us will ever know everything so um always be open to something new and potentially that may help you and not everything will help and not everyone will you know as Nikki said at the very beginning we are all completely different and when people contact me you know looking for information I always say that to them first you know I'm not going to say this is what you have to do and this is the way it will work for you I can only tell you what I've experienced how I stumbled upon what I've got to the place where I am now and I think that's you know, first and foremost, don't give up. Keep looking for information. And, you know, if you can help somebody out and, 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 you know, maybe it will, maybe it won't help you, but here's some information. And information gives power. Well said, ladies. Thank you for your time. I know it's getting late there. And I appreciate <laughs> you sitting down and speaking with me and letting everybody know what Lyme disease is like in Ireland and we really share I mean Lyme disease doesn't know boundaries it no longer knows borders of countries even oceans can't keep us apart mm-hmm. in terms of that and and it's just such even though we're thousands of miles apart the stories are so similar and there is hope and really it it is a story of people patients taking care of patients so I'm I'm so glad you brought that up and emphasized that point because that's that's where we are right now and we need each other and we've got each other and it's a beautiful thing we truly do thank you so much yeah thanks a million for your time you're very welcome you know i loved this conversation with nikki and martina you can really tell the compassion that they have for 
for the people in their for the people in their country and for the people going through Lyme disease and their commitment to having people not have to have the same struggles that they did. You know, it, it's very typical of the people in the Lyme community, but it's absolutely moving every, every time I hear it. All right. Um, be sure to check out episode number 122 with uh, Oliver Barnett. And if you like what we're doing here at Lime Ninja Radio, we'd appreciate it if you would support our efforts by subscribing. Go to LimeNinjaRadio.com and you'll see the subscribe button under the featured episode. And lastly, as you longtime listeners know, this podcast would not be complete unless we left you with the Lime Ninja fact of the day. Did you know in an average living room, there are 1,242 objects a ninja can use to hide from you, including the room itself? Lime Ninja Radio is a purely public broadcast and is not intended to be personalized medical advice for any individual's specific situation. Each individual's medical situation is unique and Lime Ninja Radio should not be relied upon and or considered as personalized medical advice. Lime Ninja Radio is not licensed to render medical advice and should be considered simply the public opinion of Lime Ninja Radio and its guests. Recommendations on specific treatment options are not intended to address any listener's particular medical situation. As always, contact your physician before considering any new treatment.